with top ten lists. There are top ten, there are websites for top ten lists for just about everything you can think of. There's the top ten uh, uh, authors, top ten artists, top ten serial killers. Uh, there's, there's a top ten list for top ten ten-year-olds. There's a top ten list for everything. David Letterman, he made his, he made his living on top ten lists. He's about to retire here very soon. And every night he made his, his living on top ten lists. Michael, if you'll go through those lists, this is one of his lists. This is the, uh, this is the top ten questions most frequently answered bacon. Top ten questions most easily answered, most, most frequently answered bacon. Number ten, you look great. What's your secret? Number nine, why not become a vegetarian? Number eight, do you, did you smell anything right before the stroke? Number seven, Kevin who? Number six, what was the top selling pork product in 1962? Number five, is there anything Republicans and Democrats can agree on? Number four, what should I bait the trap with? Number three, cause of death? Number two, why hasn't Chris Christie's lap band surgery worked? And number one, would you like anything with your bacon? Oh yeah, I'd like bacon. Ten is an interesting number. I've got it now, Michael. Ten's an interesting number. Uh, I didn't, I've never seen this before. Some of you teachers have, a lot of you young people may have. The magic square. No matter how, which way you go with this, diagonally, across, down, up, sideways, whichever way you go, all these numbers add up to 10. 1 plus 4 plus 2 plus 3 equals 10. 3 plus 4 plus 1 plus 2 equals 10. Go diagonal. 1 plus 3 plus 4 plus 2 equals 10. 1, 2, 3, 4 equals, equals 10. That's pretty neat, isn't it? 10 is an is a, is a interesting number. In numerology, it's considered complete. The number 10 is considered complete, whole. In fact, 10 times 10 times 10 is considered really complete in numerology. Very complete. And the Bible is full of tens. There are Bible tens. The ten lepers healed by Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. The ten pounds given to the, to the, uh, ten, the servants in the parable of the servants. Uh, the ten horns of the beast of Revelation with the ten diadems on, on each horn. The ten vices that it will exclude you from the kingdom of God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. The, the ten generations from Adam until Noah that we studied about, the ten plagues of Egypt that we just got through studying about, and the ten commandments given by God to Moses. It's these last sets of ten that we'll focus on today. You can follow along in your handout and, and take notes. Uh, you can go to the Version app. Uh, on your on your phone, and you can uh, uh, look at that and follow along as well. I have a poll question uh, in the U version app. I'll tell those of you who, who who don't have the U version app, and you can tell me later which one you would like. Here's the poll question that I put on the U version app: um, Which would you like to have at the courthouse? If you would like to have a, a stone monument at the courthouse, would you rather have the Ten Commandments? Uh, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, or the Christian graces of Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. Which of those would you like to have on the steps of the courthouse? 
This is a two-part sermon, so today and tonight I want you to follow me in looking at each of these commandments as we reveal the top ten Bible facts of each of these ten commandments. I asked another question in the YouVersion app, and I'll ask you this today. Must New Testament Christians follow the Old Testament Ten Commandments today? I have asked this question to others before, and I'm surprised at some of the answers. Many say emphatically, yes, we must follow the Ten Commandments today. Some, when they say yes, believe that all ten should be followed. Some say yes and rightly believe that when the law was taken away and nailed to the cross, we weren't left without any law because we have the perfect law of liberty where in the New Testament the commands of God have greater clarity and they have greater force. In our passage today in Exodus chapter 19 and 20, Moses leads the children of Israel to Mount Sinai, also known as, if you're following along in your handout, also known as Mount Horeb, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 2. Moses went up on the mountain, and Exodus chapter 19, verse 16, there were thunderings and lightnings and a, and a thick cloud and the sound of a trumpet that was so loud that the, the people, they trembled. That were in the camp. They trembled because it was so, so fearful. God made a covenant with these Israelites. They were His people. The covenant was not made with Abraham, nor has it been made with us. The covenant was made with those there in the desert at the foot of Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, because the reason it was made was because of sin. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19. The law, Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 through 25, was the tutor to bring people to Christ. In the old covenant, if it had been faultless, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 7, there would have been no reason for a second covenant. It was prophesied in Jeremiah that a new covenant would be made. And this is quoted, if you'll read with me, in Hebrews, by the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning with verse 8, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In this he he says a new covenant he has made the first that would be the old covenant obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away and it has vanished away as far as the Christian New Testament Christian is concerned. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. When Christ died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and was raised on the third day, the Old Testament law became obsolete. And we don't have to follow it anymore. Romans chapter 10, verse 4 says, Christ was the end of the law for Believers, Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, the law, including the Ten Commandments, was taken out of the way and it was nailed to the cross. 
And today, Christians are not under the old law, nor are we obligated to keep it. Paul uses the analogy of a marriage in Romans chapter 7. How a widow is not bound uh, to her dead husband when he has died, but can marry again. We are dead to the law, so that we are married to Jesus Christ. Today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21, we are under Christ's law. And those who desire to hang on to any part of the old law have fallen from grace and are estranged from Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21. Like an estranged wife or an estranged husband today, those who continue to follow the old law are estranged from Christ and they have fallen from grace. And while we are not under the old law, we can learn so much about the mind of God and how He treats those who obey and, well, those who don't obey. And I've said, as I've said, we're not left without a law. The New Testament commands give greater clarity and greater force to the faulty Old Testament law. Let's see how, as we look at the top tens of the Ten Commandments, let's see how they can and should be viewed by Christians today. Beginning with Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, Moses tells the children of Israel that God had said, You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment told them, as, as, as you see, You shall have no other gods before me. It, it was in the beginning that God created the heavens and the, and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. God has always been and God has always been there and God will always be there. Psalm 19, the heavens declare God's glory. They are a source of how we can know God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, God's Spirit reveals God. Our God is a jealous God and He will accept no less from us than Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. We love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Knowing God equals eternal life. John chapter 17, verse 3. And we must not be polluted, Acts chapter 15, verse 20, by following after other gods. Man did not make God, Acts chapter 17, verse 19. God made man. It's not the other way around. But if we don't watch out, we will follow after the God of pleasure, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. We'll follow after the God of money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And we will follow after the God of family. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Oh yes, I said family. Our family can be our God sometimes. When they keep us from, from obeying God and serving God correctly, they can become a God. And remember, God will have no other gods before Him. So, God adds number two. You shall make no graven images. Idols. Carved images, Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. God is, is covering all the bases here. God is jealous, verse 5. God, idols were prevalent then. Hey, and they're prevalent, prevalent today. Uh, Matt and I, we, we frequent a, a, a certain place here in town, don't we, Matt? And in the, in the back of where they have their shop, they have a little idol there. And they put their, what they sell inside the idol and light incense to it so that they're their, their, their business will do better. That happens in Portland. It happens all around the world. Idols are followed today. 
Idols were prevalent then, they're prevalent today, and millions of people pray and offer to idols every day in America, in Middle Tennessee, and here in Portland. It's why we're still warned, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, to keep away from idols. They are dangerous. Paul preached to idol worshipers in Athens. In Acts chapter 17, he told them to repent. They needed to repent. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. God would not overlook their ignorance anymore. God commands all of us to repent. And if we have put anything or anyone in front of God, we most certainly need to do so this morning. Acts chapter 10, verse 25 and 26, men are not to be worshipped. Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9, angels are not to be worshipped. We are to keep away from idols. Idols, Romans chapter 1, are even linked to sexual immorality. We must make sure by God's Word that our worship, John chapter 4, verse 23, is in spirit, not in a man-made idol, and in truth, not in a man-made religion. God is so holy, there should be no other gods before God. Carried, molded, or otherwise. And his name shall, shall not be taken in vain. Don't even, don't even swear at all by God's name. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't swear by his name or even anything lesser. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. But let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. When one does swear, they are blasphemous. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. And, and that's a gross sin. That's, that's ugly to God. God thinks of that as ugly. We, we use the word gross. And it's a gross sin. It, it, it's a gross, but it's a preventable sin. That's one of the most preventable sins. We don't have to make oaths and swear by any other name. You see, evil talk comes from the heart. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. And, and, and Jesus said, every idle word we speak will be judged for it. We do a lot of things in ignorance. Acts chapter 3, verse 17. So let's not be prideful. James chapter 4, verse 6. And say this is not a problem for us. Many have not been taught or they have, they have been and they haven't learned. Or they, they're evil. And they seek only to rebel. We must be sure for us listening today that we will, as Jesus taught us, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, to hallow or revere God's name. We must do that as Christians. Put God on a pedestal. Remember, it's all about God. It's not about us. I shouldn't make it about you. You shouldn't make it about me. It's all about God and what He wants and what He desires and what's best for Him. Because I tell you, what's best for God will be what's best for each and every one of us. We should remember this, this one. This is one of the easiest ones to me, and it, and it becomes almost a, a useless sin. We shouldn't partake of this sin. Of the Ten Commandments, the most, it's not useless, but certainly not used command is the fourth command, to keep the Sabbath. Now, we had a whole lesson not long ago on on Sunday night on, on the Sabbath, so I won't belabor this point. But I do want to show you my top ten Bible facts about this command from God to the Israelites in the desert. 
in the day of Moses, it's a very important command for them. It was for the Jews in that day, for the Israelites in the desert. It was a very important command to them. The Sabbath is Saturday, the last day of the week, given to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. It was a command given to the children of Israel, Exodus 31, verse 13. They're in the desert. It wasn't given to Abraham or Adam or Noah. It wasn't given to any of them to keep and as it was the children of Israel. Before Moses, the Sabbath was not commanded. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 3. And it was given to the children of Israel, uh, Deuteronomy 5, 15, so they would remember when they were slaves in Egypt. We have never been slaves in Egypt, and so we don't have to remember that day as the Israelites did uh, in the desert at, on the, uh, at that time. Uh, they, were, they were forbidden. The children of Israel were forbidden on the Sabbath day to start a fire. They were forbidden to cook a meal. They were forbidden to do work of any kind. They were forbidden not to travel. Uh, they had to go a certain, only a certain uh, distance, a Sabbath day journey, as it says in Acts. And the penalty, the penalty for breaking the Sabbath was death. That's the penalty. We do not have these limitations on Christians today. We must go into all the world and preach the gospel on any day. And we, should, we shouldn't have those travel limitations on any of our days. We don't as Christians. We're not required to go through those. This next commandment, unlike the Sabbath day, is still in force. With greater clarity in force in the New Testament. To honor your father and mother. And this is a perfect one to end on here on Mother's Day, isn't it? Before I give you the top ten Bible reasons to honor your mother and father, let me tell you the top ten things an unknown mom wrote. This is written by an unknown mom. That These are the top ten things that she didn't know before she was a mother. Alright? And I have copies of these if you would like them. The top ten things I didn't know before I was a mom. Number 10, before I was a mom, I slept as late as I wanted and never worried about how late I got into bed. Number 9, before I was a mom, I brushed my hair and teeth every day. Number 8, before I was a mom, I cleaned my house each day. I never tripped over toys or forgot words to a lullaby. I didn't worry whether or not my plants were poisonous. I never thought about immunizations. Number seven, before I was a mom, I had never been puked on or pooped on or spit on or chewed on. Number six, before I was a mom, I had complete control of my mind and my thoughts. I slept all night. Number five, before I was a mom, I never held down a screaming child so that the doctors could do tests or give shots. I never looked into teary eyes and cried. I never got gloriously happy over a simple grin. I never sat up late hours at night watching a baby sleep. Number four, before I was a mom, I never held a sleeping baby just because I didn't want to put it down. I never felt my heart break into a million pieces when I couldn't stop the hurt. I never knew that something so small could affect my life so much. I never knew that I could love someone so much. I never knew that I would love being a mom. Before I was a mom, number three, I didn't know the feeling of having my heart outside my body. I didn't know how special it could feel to feed a hungry baby. I didn't know that bond between mother and her child. I didn't know that something so small could make me feel so important 
Number two, before I was a mom, I had never gotten up in the middle of the night every ten minutes to make sure all was okay. I had never known the warmth, the joy, the love, the heartache, the wonderment or the satisfaction of being a mom. I didn't know I was capable of feeling so much before I was a mom. And number one, before I was a mom, I never knew that behind every successful woman is a basket of dirty laundry. Love on your mama if you've got her today. Love on her. Make sure she knows how special you are. We as children, we're to honor our mothers and fathers. One lady here, she, she told me the reason she has a flower is not, not to honor her, but it was to honor her mother. Who's gone now? We love our moms and dads, but to really love them means that we'll obey the command to, to honor them. If you didn't do so in the Old Testament, it was death. Now I wonder how many smart mouths in the Old Testament would, would change when rocks were starting to be picked up. This was a command in the Old Testament that carried over into the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Number one, because it's right. Number two, because there's a promise attached to it that if you honor your mom and dad, things will be well for you and you will live long. One day the roles will be flipped. You know, we're born and we grow up and, and we live our lives and, and sometimes when we're old we become like babies again and we need to be taken care of. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 through 8, children are commanded, grandchildren are commanded to take care of their parents when the time comes. I found through hard knocks that if a parent and their children they would practice the golden rule of Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, of whatever you want someone to do to you, you do to them also. That makes the relationships, it makes all relationships go a little bit better, a little bit smoother, a little bit more loving, a little bit easier. How can young people honor their parents? Well, young people can honor their parents. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, you can hear your parents. Don't tune them out. You know, even us older parents, even us older children, we have older parents. And, you know, you see mom and dad on the phone, you go, I am going to get a lecture when I answer this. I know it. But we can't do that. We can't have that, that attitude. Honor them, Matthew 15, verse 4. Don't curse them. Jesus loved his mother. You know, when he was on the cross, he, he, he pointed to John, and, and to the, the one that he loved. He said, John, here's, here's your mother. I want you to take care of her. Proverbs 22, verse 15, sometimes foolishness in a child's heart, uh, they have it and they, they need the rod of correction. But this training should be trumped with love and tempered with love and understanding. Now, tonight, we'll finish our top ten of the Ten Commandments. I now direct your attention... To the flyer in front of you. I've put a lot of flyers out in the psalm books and the Bibles in front of you. I'd like you to pick it up if you don't mind. You can grab one. Look on with somebody else if you don't have one. You know, I, I want this sermon to be about the Ten Commandments. Okay? I want you to leave here understanding more about the Ten Commandments and how we as Christians interact with the Ten Commandments. And 
preachers, you know, the way I was taught to write sermons, I, you know, I start here and then I funnel everything to, to the gospel. I funnel everything to, to, a, to a conclusion, to an invitation. Okay? Uh, Matt and I, we went to the Better Conference and uh, we were told by Keith Parker to, to let, this, let a sermon stand on its own. Let that be a sermon. Here, here it is. This is the Ten Commandments. And you guys enjoy it and you guys learn from it and you guys, you guys uh, help other people understand it. Then we're going to let this over, stay over here to the side. And we're just going to focus just for a minute on ourselves. Now, if you didn't get one of the the handouts in, in the booklets. I want you to follow along on the screen here. I want you to focus. I want you to ask yourself this question. And only you answer this question for yourself. Do you know what the gospel is? Do you know what it is? If you don't know, I'd love to tell you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you don't obey the gospel... 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, Jesus Christ is coming back in flaming fire. He's going to take vengeance on those who don't know God and those who do not obey the gospel. So it's important to know what the gospel is, right? Do you know the gospel? And how do you obey the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you obeyed the gospel? Circle on your paper, yes or no. Have you ever obeyed the gospel? You obey the gospel by dying to self and being buried in the waters of baptism and then being raised to walk in newness of life. Just like Jesus died and was buried and was raised, so do you in the waters of baptism. Do you need prayer? Do you need prayer? Circle, circle yes or no if you need prayer or not. We are... A praying people here at Fountainhead. We would love to pray for you. We would love to pray with you. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in that, in that communication outlet that we have with God where we listen to God through His Word and we can talk to the Almighty God, the only true God, the only living God. We can talk to Him in prayer and we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that prayer, when, when, when a righteous man prays for you, or, it will help you. Do you need prayer? Do you know of someone who needs prayer? If you do, I'd love for you to write that down. I also actually put that in the U version, so you can, you can type that to me. It'll remain anonymous if you want it to. That's fine. But if you have somebody that you know needs praying for, I'm telling you now, we pray every day here at Fountainhead. And we would love to bring them up in front of the Heavenly Father in prayer. Tim, you had a wonderful prayer this morning. Loved it. Don't you see how much we love prayer here? And we believe in prayer here. Would you like to study the Bible more? Hey, we have a great Bible study here. Uh, these things I've said today, they were from the Bible, but you may need a little deeper instruction. And I, or there's others here in this congregation that would love to study the Bible with you and give you a deeper understanding of God's Word. Now, let me ask this question. Do you publicly need to confess a sin that is already known to God. 
You know, if you're a Christian, what's great, First John chapter, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, what's great about a Christian is if, if, if you've committed a sin and nobody knows about it, well, then you can go to God and you can confess your sin to God and He's, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. You know, you don't have to come down for everything. You don't have to have a priest. I'm not a priest. I can't absolve you of any sin, okay? Uh, so you can come forward if you need to, though. Now, if folks know that you've been living a life of sin and you're a Christian and, and uh, you know, you may make somebody stumble because of what you've done. You need to make things right with God and you can't just go to everybody and say, I'm sorry. You may need to come down front and say, a collective, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry. I want to be forgiven by God and I want you to forgive me and I'm going to try to do better. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Are you worried about your salvation? Maybe you were younger and when you got baptized and you've been thinking about this. You thought, you know, I don't really know if I was saved or not. I have no idea. Or, 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 or maybe, maybe uh, you really didn't understand salvation and you really didn't repent or you, you, you didn't confess before others that Jesus Christ was Lord or, or you just don't feel right and, and, and you don't think you're saved. And if Jesus Christ came back right now, you, you, you wouldn't go to heaven. You know it. Be sure about that this morning. Don't, don't walk out of here with not knowing that you're saved. If you're unsure, be sure. Right now, as together we stand and sing. Will you linger, wandering from the fall?